Thank you very much. We're going to look uh, today at, a, at one of the accounts of Jesus' resurrection. So Luke 24. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wandering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. He has risen. Three words that change everything forever. Three of the most important words ever spoken. Three words which have completely transformed my life. He has risen. Jesus is risen from the dead. He didn't just live and die. He died and now lives. He's alive. And today we celebrate the truth that Jesus has defeated death so he can offer to us eternal life. It really happened. This isn't just an inspiring story or a nice idea. Jesus was dead. He was in the tomb. And God raised him from death to life. Jesus breathed again and walked out of his tomb. God raised him up. It really happened. I love reading the, uh, the eyewitness accounts of Jesus' life and his death and his resurrection. I actually worked as a criminal defense uh, barrister for seven years, and I would spend every day looking at evidence. I would cross-examine witnesses in court. Over the years, I cross-examined hundreds, maybe over a thousand witnesses in court, testing their accounts, testing their stories, testing what they had to say. And over those years, you kind of build up a radar for when people are telling the truth. And when I read the eyewitness testimony about Jesus' life, his death, and his rising from the dead, I think, these are true. This really happened. And it might be you're here today, and if you're honest, the reason you're here is you came along just to keep someone happy. Like, this is all new, completely new to you. Someone invited you, you thought, I'll keep them happy. Maybe, you know, you, you, your parents invited you along, you thought, I'll just go to keep them happy. You know, maybe your children invited you along, and you thought, I'll go along to keep them happy. Maybe uh, a mate invited you, or a colleague. Um, maybe your partner invited you. Maybe someone you hope soon will become your partner invited you. Um, and you just thought, I'll just go along to that happy. This is all completely new to you. Or maybe um, you've been thinking about this stuff for a little while. Maybe you've been coming to church a little bit. But it's, you're right at the start of a journey of exploring what, what's the difference Jesus could make to my life. Might be you've been here for a while and you've heard this before, but you, you're facing stuff in your life that means that you're questioning it. Like what difference does it make for my life that Jesus has actually risen from the dead? But wherever you are today, I hope that together by looking at this, our confidence together will rise in the reality that Jesus rose from the dead and the difference that makes to our lives. But I'm going to need your help. 
We're all going to have to get involved with this. I'm going to ask for a bit of your participation in this. Um, we're going to do a little bit of kinesthetic learning. Um, we're going to use our bodies. But don't worry, just our hands. I saw a few nervous faces um, then. We're just going to use our hands. We're going to need the children, adults, everyone to be involved in this. We're going to use our hands to help us see. These are the reasons. I, if someone says, sometimes people say to me, why do you have faith Jesus rose from the dead? These are the reasons I have faith that Jesus rose from the dead. So firstly, uh, sign language. So this in sign language means Jesus. Okay, so can we all do that together? That's great, brilliant. So Jesus was not in the tomb, okay? So just imagine yourself peering into the tomb, okay? So Jesus was not in the tomb on Easter day. The tomb had been sealed on the order of Pilate, uh, the Roman governor. He had asked it to be guarded by Roman soldiers. There was no way in. And there was no motive. The only people who could get in were the authorities, uh, and, and they, their only interest was to make sure Jesus stayed dead. They wanted to prove that he couldn't rise from the dead. The disciples were, Jesus' followers were scattered and they were afraid. And robbers couldn't come near the tomb. And actually the only thing that was worth stealing Jesus' grave clothes were there when his followers came to the tomb. Jesus was gone though. He had left. Jesus wasn't in the tomb on Easter day. But then secondly, Jesus, okay, don't give up on me guys, come on. Jesus was with people, okay? Jesus was with people. Okay, Jesus was with people. Brilliant, you got it. Uh, So Jesus, when he rose from the dead, spent time with people. People saw him. People touched him. People ate with him. He appeared on 11 separate occasions in the weeks following his death. On one occasion, to over 500 people. 500 people is a lot of people. It's a lot of eyewitness evidence. Which imagine um, Sam, who's leading worship, uh, is stopped by the police um, walking through Kensington and stuff. Actually, why? We don't have to imagine it. Sam, why don't you just come up here a second? Um, Sam, brilliant. Thanks so much, Sam. And uh, I'll, just, uh, I'll just play the police officer. Brilliant. Um, so, Sam, come this way. Um, so, 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 just imagine, you know, as Sam's walking on the road in Kensington. I say, uh, hello, hello, hello. Uh, <laughs> So uh, you match the description of someone who uh, was seen leaving Harrods with a handbag this morning, and I was wondering if I might ask you a few questions about it. Yep, no worries, absolutely fine. Okay, so you're happy to ask, answer a few questions? Certainly am, officer. Uh, before you do, sir, uh, let me tell you, you do not have to say anything, but anything, if you fail to mention when questioned, something on which you later rely on in court, it may harm your defence, and anything you do say will be given in evidence. Okay? Sounds brilliant. Sounds like, that's not the f- <laughs> Sounds like that's not the first time you've heard that, sir. <laughs> so uh, where were you exactly between the hours of 10 and uh, 11 and 1 this morning? I was in church. Oh, church. Was in ch- you were in church, were you? Oh, that's interesting, likely. Uh, what, what, were you, what were you doing in church, sir? I was helping uh, play some of the music and we were worshipping as a church. Oh, oh music? <laughs> Are you an organist, are you, sir? So, don't, don't look much like an organist to me. What, what instrument were you playing? I was playing the guitar. Oh, the guitar. Very modern. Yes. Okay. And, and is there anyone who might have seen you uh, playing the guitar in church this morning? A few people, yeah. Do you have their names? Um, there was a guy called Nicky Gumbel. He was there. <laughs> Nicky... Gumball. Is that short for Nicholas or Nicole? 
He hates it when I call him Nicole. Okay. <laughs> Any other person there? Um, Pippa Gumble. Pippa Gumble. You making these names up? <laughs> Pippa Gumble. Okay. And anyone else? Anyone else there who can give evidence that a few, you were there? Yeah, a few people. A few people there. Well, how many people, sir? Mm. At least 500. <laughs> there were 500 people in church in London on a Sunday morning. Were there 500 people in church on a Sunday morning in London? Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. Come see for yourself. Thanks to Sam. But it's powerful witness testimony. Over 500 people. That's a lot of people. Do you know, on all the cases I did, all the hundreds of cases I did, I never did a case with more than 30 eyewitnesses. Why? Because after you get past 30, it's, it's pretty obvious it just happened. You don't need many more witnesses than that. Jesus appeared on 11 separate occasions, on one occasion to more than 500 people. And do you know what? He bore the marks of the cross. It was him. He was with people. Jesus was with people. And then Jesus transforms people's lives. So Jesus transforms people's lives. All I've got for this is praise hands. You know the, I, there we are, yeah. <laughs> Jesus transforms people's lives. It's fascinating. Jesus' followers were afraid. They were fearful. They were in hiding. And three days after Jesus died, something happens that means they were happy, desperate to go and tell everyone Jesus is alive. To speak boldly before courts and governors and judges at risk of imprisonment and death and say, we cannot help speaking about what we've seen and heard. Transform their lives. It's transformed the lives of billions of people. People of every ethnicity, every nationality, every socioeconomic group. People throughout the ages, people today, their lives being transformed by Jesus. So what happens? Why, when you place your trust in the risen Jesus, does your life, is your life transformed? Well, the first reason is because you have resurrection life. The resurrection is not just good news about an event. It's an encounter with a person. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. When we encounter him, when we place our trust in Jesus, we experience life in all its fullness. And that's what I found. I feared if I placed my trust in Jesus, if I followed him, I'd have to give up lots of great things and there'd be a cost to it. But what I've actually found is that by placing my trust in Jesus, the resurrection life he brings is the richest, most satisfying, most joyful life you can ever lead. And because he's risen, you can trust him. And Jesus said he came to die for us. He said he came to be crucified and on the third day rise again. That's one thing to say it. It's another thing to do it. My dad grew up in Yorkshire, and he left school at 15. He, he severely dyslexic and really struggled um, in, in school and left really early, and he actually ended up working as an electrician in coal mines. And he, um, well, he, he actually encountered Jesus and placed his trust in Jesus. And then he suddenly had this passion to tell people about Jesus in China. I think Yorkshire and China are quite far away <laughs> from each other. And he didn't speak Chinese, he didn't speak Mandarin. And he had struggled learning English. And so, <laughs> really had, really had. And he, um, 
And, but, but he was passionate about it, so he went to Bible college, and he, he met my mum there, and together they learned Mandarin, and they were desperate to go and tell people in China about Jesus. And he, eventually they tried door after door after door after door, and all of them got slammed in their faces. And after months and months and months and months of pushing doors, eventually one opened, and they had the opportunity to go to China. They had the opportunity, uh, they managed to gather the funds to pay for their flights. They bought their flights, and they were just about to go, and then it was the 70s, and lots of nations were facing a financial crisis, and so the Bank, Bank of England imposed currency control and it almost impossible to get your money changed and the whole trip was completely up in the air they couldn't go and my dad was so depressed he was so miserable he'd been asked to speak at a little church in Birmingham on the Sunday he didn't even want to go he was so miserable he thought I might as well go so he went miserable he spoke miserably afterwards he sat down in the service miserable people were leaving the church one guy came into the church looked a bit confused looked a bit lost came up to my dad my dad said so sorry, you've missed the service. A bit miserable. And the guy said to him, oh, that's a shame. He said, I don't, I've never come here before. I don't, I don't know. I, I sometimes go to a church on the other side of Birmingham, but I've never been to this church before. He said, I, I just felt like there was some reason I should come here today. My dad said, so sorry, you've missed the service. <laughs> and the guy had a long pause, and the guy looked at him, and he said, look, I know it sounds crazy, but I'm the... I'm the head of currency control at the Bank of England. Is there anything I can do for you? <laughs> My dad said, yes. <laughs> now this was exactly who my dad needed to meet, who had the power and authority to do exactly what he needed to be done at just the right time. But it's one thing to say you're that. It's another thing to deliver that. And on the Monday morning, my dad went down to London, went to the Bank of England, the guy signed all the paperwork, sorted it all out, and they took their flight and they went. Jesus said he was exactly who we most needed, with the power to do exactly what we most needed to be done, and he came for us. Jesus said he's the Son of God, Savior, Redeemer, came to save us to die for our sin and to rise. It's one thing to say it, it's another thing to do it, to deliver. And the fact Jesus rose from the dead proves he is who he said he is, that he is the Son of God, that the cross worked, that the Son of God loves you and gave himself for you so that you might know forgiveness and freedom, that Jesus actually did it, that you can be a much-loved child of the Most High God, a daughter, a son. You can know that Every word Jesus speaks is true and you can build your life on his promises because Jesus rises from the dead. He is risen from the dead. You have resurrection life. But you also have, because Jesus has risen from the dead, you have resurrection hope. I don't know how you're doing today. Whether you feel fear or feel a bit scared about life or a bit confused about life. Whether you're worried about something whether you're grieving someone, whether you're full of happiness or joy or excitement, you have just such a strong purpose in your life, or whether, like me, it's a bit of a mix of those things. Actually, Beth and I, my wife and I, are expecting 
uh, right now our fourth baby girl. Um, so literally any moment now, um, she could come. And, and just a couple of nights ago, Beth, she knows how to get my attention. She starts going, oh, I just feel, oh, oh. You know, and you're kind of like, is it going to be okay? And she's saying, oh, yeah, I think just a few twinges. And we're kind of there. And then on, actually on Friday night, um, she said to me, she said, I think the baby might come tonight. So um, it's quite hard to sleep with that going on. You're just going to sleep. And she said, it might come any time tonight. And we both had a slightly kind of uneasy night's sleep. I think you sometimes get anxiety dreams. So I had this dream that I was going to be speaking to lots of people on the Sunday. And while I was speaking, um, my phone was going to go and I was going to have to rush off to the hospital. <laughs> We're okay. We're still okay. We're still okay. Um, and Beth, Beth worries that, you know, I, I like being generous and I like giving, giving things away. And um, we used to have a, a, a significant income and now our income's just a little bit less. And, uh, and, and, but Beth worries that sometimes I'm still giving at a rate I was when we had a lot more um, income. And so she obviously worries about this. Anyway, we both went to sleep. I had this, I had this nightmare about <laughs> the phone going and Beth woke up in a cold sweat too. And I said, you okay? She said, yeah, I had a really bad dream. I said, oh my, what, hap- what, what, was, what happened in the dream? She said... I had a dream that you gave your little brother two cameras. I was like, that's your worst nightmare. <laughs> I, would, I would give my brother two. She said, yeah, it didn't make any sense to me. I mean, you could give him one, but why two? I was saying, why, why? I was like, okay. So, um, so there we are. So people are afraid of different things. Um, <laughs> but I don't know what you're facing today. I don't know whether this is a year of great joy or a year of great struggle, but I do know that you have resurrection hope, that the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jesus, the same Spirit, the same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives in you. He lives in you. And because Jesus is risen, we too will rise. He promises to take all those who know him through death and into eternal life. And that means you can live boldly, with purpose, free from fear. You don't need to fear bad news because the one who holds eternity in his hands has welcomed you as a friend. Your future is secure. Death has been defeated. The final word over your life doesn't belong to anyone else but Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ who turns fear to peace. Who turns weakness into strength. Who turns despair into hope. Who turns disgrace into vindication, who turns wounds into marks of glory. Jesus Christ, who turns death into life. Jesus Christ, who made himself nothing, who was obedient to death, even death on a cross. So God raised him up. Jesus Christ, the righteous, the Lord of all, our risen King, And we can come to him today. He welcomes us because he loves us and he is alive. In Jesus' name, amen.